0: Hello, welcome to Leaving in Color, a podcast about uncovering your radiant self after losing your faith. I am your host, Christina Elmer. I'm so delighted you found us. Hi, and welcome. Happy holidays to everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in today downloading however you are listening to this podcast i am so grateful to you for taking out time to listen to today's episode which is episode three part one of two of intuitively creating heaven on earth with my friend Cade solano i am so excited for you to get to know Cade. And to hear her journey into becoming the amazing and charismatic human that she is today. So once again, thank you for listening. And here is Cade. Enjoy. Hi, and welcome to Leaving in Color. I'm so glad you're here today on today's podcast. I First of all, I apologize, my voice is a little froggy with West Texas allergies. We're into the harvest season here in my part of the country, so things are being uprooted and there's a lot of dust and allergens in the air, and your girl has not taken her allergy medication, so um, please bear with me. But on today's podcast, we have a very special guest. I met her through... um, a mutual friend and coach. We were in the same coaching container through our friend Susanna Merrick, who is an R reader. Go find her on all the socials and on the internets. She is an amazing, amazing human. But my guest today is Kate. And Kate and I, in a breakout group, in Susanna's group, we kind of connected a little bit more. And I really got to know her. And I'm actually kind of fascinated by Cade and her, where her life has taken her. So I invited her on the podcast today to share her, her journey with us. So
1: welcome, my friend. I'm so excited you're here. Hi. Hi. Thank you, Christina, um, for that beautiful intro. And I'm so glad that I've been able to connect with you, and get to witness you grow as a person last six months. Thank you. um, Especially through Susanna and. Yeah, I'm happy to be here. Yeah, this is this
0: is exciting. So Cade is very intuitive. It's what I'm coming to really recognize about her. So let's go ahead and just kind of start from the beginning. Just give, give us a little bit of insight into your origin story. Who is Cade?
1: Cade right now um, is a nurse. I studied psychology with my minor world religions, and after that I went into nursing um, and studied herbalism, and now I'm a Reiki practitioner and a tarot reader, and I do that um, full-time with nanning and other creative projects that I also get to work on. Um, I've been showing up as a new version of myself recently, and so I'm still um, discovering parts of myself that I never thought were really possible. So my backstory is uh, both my parents um, were immigrants, and they grew up in a civil war in Nicaragua. My upbringing was very religious. Both my parents are Catholic and very devout as well. My mom was actually a nun. Oh, wow. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And I always joke, clearly not the best one because, you know, I'm here, but... (laughs) I
0: mean, bless her. Thank God, you know, because now you're here and we are, we get to. Now I'm here. Yeah, I know. It's really wild to think about sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's like, oh, she's well, left she the convent. Down. Would you be OK telling us why she left?
1: Of course. Yeah, she left because her sister was sick at the time. OK,
0: so we can which is devastating to have a family member get sick. But we can also say thank you to the sister for getting sick so that your mom left the convent because no. now we have you. Yeah, exactly. Your gorgeousness is here and just gracing the world and universe with your your loveliness. So thank you, Kate's thank you. mom,
1: yeah. <laughs> for leaving the convent those many yeah. years ago. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's true. I'm very grateful. Yeah, she um, definitely had a hard upbringing. Yeah. Aside from grow- growing up in the Civil War, she really felt like she had to raise her younger siblings. Mm. Um, and she's 10 years, almost 10 years older than the youngest one. I, f- I very much feel for, her. I think almost anything that I do now is for my inner child and for my mom. Yeah. Um. And for the life that she, they didn't get to live. Yeah. Yeah. The sacrifice
0: yeah. of immigrant parents is, it's huge. Yeah.
1: It's tremendous. Yeah, definitely. And I, I, every day I'm grateful for it. Um, because now I am I have the privilege to live in America and be able to study all of these interesting topics that like, I know that sometimes my parents probably couldn't even comprehend or get the opportunity to learn. Yeah. Yeah. And so her belief systems um, were really ingrained with me growing up of prayer and going to mass every Sunday and also having to obtain this like moral uprighteousness mm. um at a young age i felt like that responsibility at a young age that i had to like make sure that i was doing everything in the correct manner in the correct form uh, but so much so that i wasn't allowing myself the freedom to explore uh, my own abilities and in interaction with the world
0: yeah
1: are you and... an only child no i okay. have an older sister okay and um she's about two years older but we were always very close in our upbringing, we definitely differed on our values. Um, in some senses, she currently is in Colorado uh, and she works for Google right now.
0: Okay. The reason I asked that was just I didn't I didn't know if like there was like some sort of expectation placed on you. If you're you know typically with an only child, there's all this like expectation placed on them, sometimes by their parents to be. Something I know that happens naturally, no matter how many kids are in a family. But you know, if there's just one child in particular, there may be a little bit more parental expectation placed on a kid. Yeah.
1: Although I wasn't only, I wasn't an only child. I did feel that extreme pressure Mm. to be a specific way, to appear a certain way to the world, and the message that I received as a kid, I had to act as if we had more money than we did, Mm. and also like be. This, like, role model for other people when I didn't know how to be. or Like, I didn't even know who I was as a child. Yeah. And because you're still discovering those parts. But um, I think my parents and my sister didn't have expectations of me. They did? Uh, They did. Okay. Yeah. To be, always be this kind, perfect, bubbly person for other people. Mm. And I kind of just became this, like... I'm a recovering people pleaser. Like I'm a recovered people pleaser now yeah. as an adult. And I also always struggled with my weight as well. Uh, I think I believe I told you that I was obese um, before I was 100 pounds heavier just yeah, a couple you of years did share that ago. with me. Yeah. And I had been my entire life. And so it's different with the way that people perceive me now.
0: Yeah. Uh, the expectation placed on you by your parents. Do you think yes. some of that happened because you were... You guys emigrated to United States?
1: Yeah, I think my mom subconsciously has this belief system that she associated with being brown with poverty. Mm. And so even my grandmother had to scrub her down would scrub her down and agree that belief into my, my mom as well, like that her skin color almost meant that she was less than mm. And um, she was always embarrassed of her own accent as well. And so I felt like I had to like overcompensate in the way that I spoke.
0: Even within Asian cultures, like, you know, a lighter skin is considered more beautiful and a little bit more royal in a sense, like people like because a darker skin tone, like those people usually worked out on the fields and they were the laborers, you know. And so I, I understand that where that might, you know, have an effect on your mother and then, you know come into play and how she raised you and how you presented in the world as a child you talk a little bit more about catholicism and what that was like how that played a role in your family in your childhood
1: the belief systems that we have were there to keep us safe Mm -hmm. they kept us safe in some manner or some parts of ourselves whether that be, like, if your brown skin makes you feel less than or, like, if you associate with poverty or even religious beliefs, like, in yeah. Catholicism, like, um, we hold on to these things. And I think for both my parents, um, being children that grew up in a war, the one thing that was consistent for them and there for them was going to church. Yeah, And so they kept that so strong even when they came to the United States. And for us as well, you know, like... And God is the only one that like can be there for you, like um, when no one else is, not even like friends or support. Which is so funny to me now, because I'm such a community based person. Yeah, like I need to be in community with people, for and sure. like recognizing that people um, are there to support you and love you, and you can trust them. But they came from such a place of mistrust that I started mm. to look at the world with that same lens. Oh of yeah, mistrust. for sure. Um, and, and as a way to protect yourself. Yeah. But growing up Catholic, I felt like I only had one way of being, and it was just to be the good person. Mm. I said to be this good person, no matter what, like I couldn't, like, if I messed up, there's consequences. Oh, yeah. And like huge consequences that I'm going to like burn in hell. Yeah, for sure. And <laughs>
0: the Catholic guilt <laughs> is a real thing.
1: <laughs> the guilt of like uh, being yourself. Almost too. Yeah. Um, I think that once you accept the aspects of yourself that you don't necessarily like and you start to look at that and you start to embrace that part of yourself, you can show up a lot more authentically in the world. Yeah, absolutely. And align with more of what brings you more joy. And that'll bring more joy to everybody else around you.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So as a kid growing up Catholic and if... We want to say, you know, th- there's Catholic guilt because there's, you know, Mormon, yeah. Mormonism definitely operates from the shame model. Like, if you don't do this, then you won't be able to live with your family in the next life. Or, you know, there's mm-hmm. just a lot of shame injected into the doctrine, the yeah. beliefs um, and how they operate. As a child, how did that affect you recognizing certain parts of yourself and saying, well, I can't because now we know that Kate is here. She is an intuitive she's she reads energies, she pulls tarot, you know she's
1: I'm also a lesbian
0: also a yeah. lesbian. Yes, we should have brought that from the very beginning.
1: You were a yeah. lesbian you're you're out,
0: um, yeah. did you notice those things about yourself when you were younger?
1: Uh, I actually didn't um, I didn't looking back now, I'm like, oh, like those were behaviors of like who I am now, like, oh, I was gay back when I had smaller crushes on people, okay. and um. Shame, I love Brene Brown, and she talks yes. a lot about it. Yes, oh shame. my God, yes. And shame, she actually spoke about one time that shame isn't a necessary emotion. Mm-hmm. Guilt Thanks. is helpful, um, but shame is kind of unnecessary, and I think um shame needs to be witnessed in order to he- be healed, and it, for it to no longer be shameful, but because it wasn't witnessed, um, I like definitely repressed a lot of things. I felt mm-hmm. like I was a bad person, that I was evil um, for a long time. So it was hard for me to speak up for myself Yeah, because I was like, oh, well, maybe I'm not this like good person. That everybody else wants me to be.
0: Yeah. And also the people pleasing that you prescribed yeah, to was the, coming into play there.
1: That's the way that I thought I would be able to receive love. Yeah. Because I did. I received more love when I was giving it, but as you grow older, you realize that love is given freely to you, like, and it isn't something that you have to work for. Yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting. I think Brené Brown also talks about how shame is, um, narcissism is actually the number one personality type that is extremely rooted in in shame. shame.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I can definitely see that.
1: like they're wanting to protect themselves they're wanting to like do it but it, at some point in your childhood or in your adulthood like I and I definitely because of that shame I became really self-focused maybe when I was like in middle school and then I started to realize oh I can like share with friends like some of the shame that I'm feeling and I can do that in community and like heal from that and not have to like hide yeah that's how I feel like shame affected yeah me when I was- yeah for sure you know like my teenage years um it was definitely the way that I was like perceived by others, mm. not only with religion, but also like struggling with uh, my binge eating disorder, too. Mm. But I, it's funny because I of my friends now in my friend group. They call me um, problem solver, like because if there's like any extreme situations, I almost always will show up for them. And I think in my life, I've been in a lot of extreme situations that mm. like had almost forced me to be this way yeah a couple of my other friends too recently um this was at a dinner party like last week but like they were um saying that like I don't understand how you're so independent and it was honestly because I had to be like I had to um fight for who I am despite Mm. other people's belief systems like growing up Catholic they had Very, like, strict rules on what is good and what is bad.
0: Yeah, for sure.
1: And if it's bad, you're going to go to hell. Yeah. Was one of the messages. And so that can be very harmful when you're trying to explore things Mm -hmm. outside of that realm. Yeah. And to come to realize that they actually aren't bad.
0: Did you notice anything when you were younger about, you know, maybe in terms of like any psychic or intuitive abilities? Because we know that, you know, yes. within Christian religions and faiths, like, as you just said, you know, there's a very specific precept of or expectation of, you know, we believe in a God. And usually there's, yeah. you know, Jesus and the Holy Ghost. I can't remember my my world religions <laughs> studies yeah. are are blanking on that in the way of catholicism works but i know that catholicism also has some sort of like mysticism within it because they you know they believe in saints and yes. um i love going into catholic churches like honestly anywhere i'm at i i love to go in and just like look at the artwork is just incredible yeah. and then just like you know the the traditions and the ceremonies and...
1: Like rituals Yes,
0: the rituals, thank you, of just like lighting the candles and all those things. But how does it differ for you now being a tarot reader and an intuitive? Like, Did you notice any of those things for yourself? Like thinking, I can't do that because I'm Catholic. And even though Catholicism is mystical in its own right, looking anything beyond that was framed as bad.
1: Uh, That's exactly how I felt, was I felt as if it was um, bad, anything that I explored outside of that. Uh, But I had always had um, clairsentience and clear cognizance. Mm -hmm. And I didn't have the words to articulate that at that time. And (laughs) yeah, there's a lot of um, interesting moments in my life where I've recognized my intuitive abilities, but I just like put it down. I'm like, oh well this is something that everybody experiences.
0: Yeah. Or could you say it was like, oh, it's the Holy Spirit telling me that. Like in Mormonism, that's what we called yeah, it. It was the like the Holy Ghost. The Holy Spirit,
1: yeah, the Holy the Spirit. Spirit is yeah.
0: telling me to come do this when in actuality, when you actually sit and think of it, it's
1: like, yeah, it's my intuition, which Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I yeah, um, even my mom I slowly hint at her that I am a psychic and she knows – like, parents know who their kids are, and that's oh, something yeah. I've learned through nanny and working as a pediatric nurse. And she, she's like, it's the Holy Spirit. <laughs> and and it, it makes me laugh, and it can be spirit, um, but also everyone has very specific, intuitive gifts mm-hmm. to them. And um, I didn't discover that until I met people like me in my adult life now. and. um yeah, I definitely felt a lot of shame around that. Like, um, I shouldn't be experiencing this. Or, like, I didn't want to tell people because they would get weirded out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and for um, sure.
0: Was it, like, friends at school or...?
1: Yeah, friends at school. Okay. I, was always, I think um, I was pretty shy and quiet. But, like, I think mm-hmm. my intuition protected me from a lot of things um, and a lot of people that yeah. were harmful but I think what's so interesting is that in school, you're taught to question everything. Mm, and to yeah. Research and make things up with evidence. And even in nursing, I became such a logical person from that. But also, like, I've always been attuned to what other people need. Mm. So sometimes, like, for me now, like, um, birthdays come to mind. And I'll, like, ask a friend whose birthday or, like, a patient or something when I have patients whose birthday is this. And be like, oh, that's my sister's birthday. That's so weird. And I'm like, yep.
0: yeah because how do you approach that because you don't know where somebody is in their spiritual journey like it might shut somebody down because they're like oh i identify as christian and anyone that has psychic ability that's you know that's the devil's work
1: (laughs) not saying that all christians do that christians don't come for me don't come for me yeah
0: (laughs) but you know what i mean
1: like yes definitely it's it's they have that mentality and i think that um I have such a deep reverence for religion. And even, like, where I'm Catholic, there's a lot of things that I do respect about it. Um, but then I studied world religions. Mm. And so I studied psychology because I am was so confused as to why my parents and people around me behave the way they did. Yeah. And, like, psychology is like, why do you behave the way you do because of the way you think? Yeah. But then world religions is like, why do you believe the things you do? And then nursing is... How um, does that show up for me physically yeah. in the world? And for world religions, like, it's all not that it's all the same. They very, they definitely differ. But there's um, a couple of books about the seven truths that are in all religions. Yeah. And I just, I personally believe in a higher power and that it doesn't have to be maintained only by what is in a book.
0: Yeah. Absolutely, because
1: you're living your day to day life experiences, and interacting with the world and the universe and whatever higher power you believe in.
0: Yeah. So, where, what part of the country did you grow up?
1: I grew up in California in North San Francisco Bay Area. That yes. must have been a cool place to grow up. It was. I was, <laughs> like uh, my parents moved around a lot um, because we were renting homes. Okay, but I did grow up um, near YouTube headquarters. And I got to see the start of like tech and Silicon Valley. Super cool. Which was really interesting. And like the rise of all of that, like back in 2006. And I think, um, we all got like more online during yeah, that time. For sure. I think it was good. I think I love living on the coast. I currently live in the East coast, um, in New York city and San Francisco and New York city are both international cities. Yeah, So, um, I would say they're a lot more progressive than other parts of the country. And they are a lot more influenced by um, other countries like here in um, New York city is very influenced by a European. And the reason why it's so fast is because the, Dominican Republic is right there mm-hmm. and they always think Dominicans are like the fastest talking out oh of the Spanish Oh my gosh, people. yes. I have
0: friends who are Dominican and he's like literally like the fastest speaker ever. I'm like, okay, you gotta <laughs> slow down, bro. Like, yeah, like <laughs> and, he's and he's a Gemini, Gemini also, so it's like the double. <laughs> foster. <laughs> foster. Yeah,
1: <laughs> Yeah. That's so funny. <laughs> yeah, like a, a Gemini with um, Dominican yes. Republic. Yeah, yeah very fast very fast and i I like the fast pace of living here um and how progressive they are and they're a lot more direct and that's because of the countries that are around here right yeah versus countries next to mexico is a lot like more slower paced countries like in central america i would say slower than south america yeah
0: it's almost like kind of like islandy vibes in a way like if you think about Islanders are kind of for the most part just, you know, kind of march to the beat of their own drum and are on their own time. Like I think about friends from Hawaii when I was in college yes. and they were just always like do we chalk yes. it up to do we chalk it up to Mormon standard time, which Mormons run late, or is it like yes. are they also an island time? And it didn't help that they were both Mormon and Islanders. So it's like double whammy. So it's like it's not thirty <laughs> minutes now because it's double, so now they're an hour late <laughs> Yeah. And just like yeah. easy breezing yeah. and just walk in, then like, I'm here, like, dude, you're an hour late.
1: But it's just like, oh, but we're here. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. They're like, all that matters is my presence, like yeah. nothing else. Yeah. Just like, uh, oh, there's what is
0: time, you know? And I've gotten more yeah. appreciative of that. But um so yes. growing up in California and now you're living in the greatest city in the world. I love New York City. Like, I feel like in a past life, I lived in New York. Uh-huh. And so I really like anytime I'm there, I think about it like my soul just becomes like is on fire just thinking about it. Yeah. Um. But back in San Francisco growing up, you just in our coaching group, you had mentioned that you went to a Christian high school and then you went to
1: Christian a Christian
0: university. What was that yeah. experience like? Because already, obviously, you were still...
1: Discovering myself, discovering
0: yourself. Mm-hmm. How did you end up at a Christian college?
1: So money has always been a factor in like my, my family. And I remember feeling like shamed if we didn't have enough money, but we had moved. I went to public high school um, in San Francisco, the Bay Area Peninsula. And then uh, we had to move halfway through after my sophomore year across the east of the east bay so because i wasn't in this district any longer i couldn't stay at the high school that i wanted to graduate from we had applied and we had appealed um with the district for me to go still go at the high school but we weren't sure where to go my parents really wanted to put me into private education and i actually went to um an all-girls catholic high school for a second there okay and the beginning of my junior year it reminded me of hogwarts this place
0: yeah i can imagine
1: and you had to wear like a plaid skirt and like do things but i remember telling my mom i was like mom if i get a b i'm gonna start crying because the the tuition here is 20k like as a high schooler and um i like my grades were always really good i had like i was straight a's until um maybe my sophomore definitely started struggle a lot more. and later on, got diagnosed with ADHD. Okay. And I realized that's one, played a factor into it. And then we actually ended up going to a private Christian high school. My mom put me in there. It was a little bit of cheaper to intuition okay. and way closer to where we lived. And um, that was hard because of my concept of love. And I had to be in Bible classes.
0: Mm.
1: And like, um, you couldn't dance either at the proms, quotation mark, quotation mark. Um, you so was
0: dance this that was place. this church like a Church of Christ?
1: No, it was um, it was just a Christian non-denominational um, high school.
0: But you couldn't dance either. Interesting.
1: Yeah, you couldn't dance, and it was also interesting because you would call everybody your brothers and sisters.
0: Yeah, we did that in Mormonism too. Yeah,
1: and um. Even though you call us brothers and sisters, it's like, oh my gosh, like, I have a crush. Like, my friend would be like, I have a crush on, like, my brother. Like, that's weird. Yeah. Like, that's really <laughs> weird to say. Like, <laughs> yeah. It's it, so, like, it was interesting in, like, the concept of love. We were always, like, unconditional love with one mm-hmm. another, which is, like, funny to think about. I actually think that, um, a lot of, like, relationships actually are conditional. Like, oh, yeah. If it's not, like it's not mm. it's just it's funny it's like as high schoolers like we're just all calling each other brothers and sisters and um i did love worship and like like worship music during the time we had chapel every wednesday okay we'd have to go to at my high school and i always i loved being the new person too there i always was um good at adapting to people mm. because we moved so many times yeah they've always been a social person but I definitely read more of the Bible there than I ever had like ever. Like at that Christian
0: I, at that Christian, Christian high school.
1: High school. And I became very devout. Okay. And I was like, this is what's right because that's what's around you and that's yeah. what you're exposed to. Yeah, for sure. And like even for when my cousin came out to me at that time, I was like, Well, in my my mind, like all I've been told is that that's wrong. Yeah. You know? Um, and I told her I was like, I said, love love you, but I don't know. I think that's wrong because that's the only thing I knew. The only way I knew how to think. Yeah. And it's hard. And like, now we're actually super, super close. And she's a school psychologist for a couple of high schools, my cousin. And, um, she's helped me out in my coming out journey as well. And like, we've had a lot of conversations about what actual like love looks like. Yeah. Uh, and, and then a Christian high university, I got a scholarship to go there, which is why um, I decided to go there. And, even there we had chapel and it was like, like sex isn't allowed before marriage. Like it's not like good for you to have sex. Um, and so I denied those parts of myself for a very long time. Yeah. Which I think is extremely important to your health. And like, even as a nurse and even at like working and like urgent cares with people and like, and, and like, The concept of – the topic of sex and and love is a whole other conversation that I could talk on for hours. You're you're
0: talking about just, like, general, like, basic sexual developmental milestones.
1: Yeah. Yes. Sexual developmental milestones um, weren't reached for me. And, like, I, like, really couldn't, like, be myself. And then, like, I had a couple of dates with some guys here and there. And then – oh, I had to leave um, my university because of – I was studying psychology there, and I was there for two years. Um, And we, like, studied social psych and, like, how do people interact with the world and, like um, – And we got to do a lot of public experiments, which I loved, Um, because you get to see how people behave and, like, you just observe them. And then my world religions class I actually felt was a little bit biased in some sense because of it. But yeah. we did get to go to, like, synagogues and stuff. Yeah. And – then I lost my scholarship because I failed how to navigate online, ironically. Oh, <laughs> that, <no. sighs> Yeah, like I got an A in neuropsych and I got an A in like all these other classes. But and that's when I like got diagnosed for ADHD. Okay. And I realized that I was like different in a sense in the way that I learn mm. and how harder it was for me to learn certain things because you have different access to different part of your brain. Which is also very common in a lot of people that aren't very intuitive. Yeah. They tend to have ADHD or autism and they have another um, part of their brain. And it's interesting because you can see it in nursing. We learned um, the different parts of your brain that are activated. Mm -hmm. And you could like visually see it after like um, scan. And then I was like, I don't know what I want to do. If I really want to be a psychologist, I'd have to be in school for another like four years and my master's degree. And like, that would just take too long. And like, I'm unhappy here. And I was really struggling with depression at the time. All I really wanted at the time was like a relationship because Mm -hmm. I was like 19 or 18. Yeah, for sure. Um, And everyone around me, especially in Christianity, they started getting married super early.
0: absolutely. Yeah, especially because if you can't like have the sexual component, like that's why you get married is to then you know, yes. have sex. And sometimes you as this yeah. is working. Like I have, it's that was working. my experience that happened with like people that I know
1: that, yes. that weren't
0: Mormon, but like married because, you know, you're not supposed to have sex.
1: And a lot of them are divorced now. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's really interesting that I wonder if you noticed this, I noticed this later, like decades later, that there was such an emphasis on, does this person that I'm told that I'm supposed to be with, do they check all these boxes, yes. right? I don't know if you were told this, but like, you know, are they a man of God? Check.
1: Yes. Yeah. Will
0: they be able to support our family? Check. Like just all very, just very superficial and not like Action water connection
1: and chemistry. Yeah.
0: Actual connection, chemistry. That. Ideologically, do we match up well? Just because we have this religious component, mm-hmm. and you know we're expected to believe the same things, but how do we feel about mm-hmm. politics or mm-hmm. money or, especially in Christianity, when you get married so quickly, there's the period that you date somebody isn't a lot, so you don't get to see a lot of yeah. things like how do they react when they're angry or yeah. how do what's their fighting style? All these things yeah, that we
1: styles, yeah. Exactly.
0: All these things that we're learning now as like Mm -hmm. much more fully formed adults, Mm -hmm. once we've separated ourselves from religion. It's very interesting. Not saying that people in religion can't do that. Yes. But I feel like for me personally, it was much easier to just believe what was put in front of me and not question it. Mm -hmm. Because then, you know, then I could focus on other things, right? I could just say, this is what I was told to believe. And this is doctrine. And I don't need to go outside it because... And it wasn't until I got much older that I was like, but wait, there's like Mm -hmm. other things out there that are much more interesting to me, like how people interact with one another, like relationships are really fascinating to me, like how people get into a relationship and how their relationship works and, you know, all those things. And I was just very, very innocent and naive, but
1: it's just interesting
0: to see that like you were always very curious about that. Mm-hmm. You were like, "Oh, I I want to know how things work and I want to research this and I'm questioning all of this and mm-hmm. it's just so fascinating to see how we both have kind of ended up in this similar realm of spirituality yeah. when our journeys started out completely differently. You know, I was just very naive, didn't question a whole lot. Mm -hmm. I don't know if just like my personality type to not question people, Uh but I have gotten more curious as I've gotten older. Mm -hmm. I wonder if it's also just like our souls, like if you think about souls in general, like the versions of our souls and how they come to be.
1: It's definitely relationships and especially a relationship with other people and religion are, are extremely complex and dynamic. And your curiosity is something that I actually really love about you. I like That's oh, why I think you. I'm super drawn to you, too. Uh, thank you. And your ability to question things. But I think I was also very naive and innocent in a sense. And the reason I questioned it more is because it wasn't working for me. I think mm. a lot of people, if it works for them and it puts their mind at ease, um, yeah. they'll just go ahead with any almost anything because it's just like the path of least resistance. Yeah. But for me, it wasn't working because I was obese, didn't have, like, a partner. Even though I wrote down those specific qualities that you were saying, like, about, like, a man, like, being this specific way. He has to look this exact – or, like, he's not – he's, like, love God, be on paper. Mm -hmm. Um, But in relationship and dynamics, it's different. Yeah, for sure. And I do think, like, our souls definitely aligned. It ended up in a similar manner, although we took different paths.
0: Yeah, it's just interesting how like our souls, like, because I believe now yeah. that like even within Mormonism, there's this belief that we all lived in this, like, it's called the pre-existence, so pre- pre-earth life. Okay. And we, we're all there together in this pre-earth life together, everybody that's on earth now. Uh-huh. And so if we think about it, like taking Mormonism out of it. I believe our souls have different lifetimes, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know what what iteration I'm on now, like what yeah. number of life I'm yeah. on now, but I know that the people that I've met in this lifetime mm-hmm. are people that I've known before. Like one example for that I can use that I know specifically is my fiance. Like mm-hmm. I know that when I met him, like holy shit, I've known this person before and I've not ever felt that yeah. with anybody else. And it's just interesting to me just now just noticing different things like, oh, like my very best friend, like there is something about her in another life that's come into this life with me and we're just on the same path together. And it's beautiful to see that we're just like our souls are just aligning, realigning again. And it's just really, really cool to think about it no matter way, whether it's a Mormon f- frame of it or now it's like, oh, everybody that we meet in this lifetime was there before and we'll meet again in a different version in this. And it just, we don't know when we're going to meet them, right? Yeah. Like I could have known you in a different life. And what is it? What did that look like? You well, know,
1: I, 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 I just get very curious. And I actually um, I got into past life regression. Uh-huh. For a while, too, because I didn't believe in it for, like, so long. I was like – I because I'm very much a skeptical person, and that's the thing. is because I was trained to be logical, and the last three years I've been training myself to be illogical and, like <laughs> – and just follow and trust my intuition, and it's led me to the most beautiful places I could ever, like, imagine. Yeah. And, but, so, like, I'm very skeptical of all that stuff with past life, but – you do, your soul does have a recognition. There's a couple of books that I do read. Um, I read actually a lot. There's like um, The Mountain is You. I think it's by Brianna West. And also um, A Course in Miracles. And both of them talked about how um, there's about 50 people in this like, lifetime that like reincarnate with you. Mm. and um, And you have a soul recognition. And not just like similar patterns. And the behavior, but soul recognition is yeah. different. And I've definitely felt that with like certain past lovers or like friendships mm-hmm. um, that were felt to like guide me in a sense. And yeah. when I did a past life regression, it was really wild. I actually recorded it. Um, and we were in a class. I took a class by this shaman and she's a doctor and I met her um, through one of the hospitals that I worked at. And her name is Dr. Bonnie Russell. All of her stuff is great. She recorded us having our past life regressions. She would take us back through the meditation. Mm. And then we would be saying what we felt in the past life. And like, in my past life, my sister was like a man. My sister and I were both mm. men and we were friends, huh. which was really interesting. And then like, um, I was definitely a healer in my past life. I am in this life too, but- yeah, um, definitely it was really interesting to see like everyone do that. And then we would practice on each other. So um, mm. I would practice on the other person. I would meditate on them, not in okay. their past life, but like what they currently are doing in this life. Mm. And then we would verbatim tell each other what we experienced them doing. And I never met any of these people prior to this class. Okay, And it was wild. Like my, the guy that had um, meditated on me, he told me, he was like, you love bird watching, and like that morning, I had birdwatched for an hour and a half. Wow! And like I never stop and do that, but yeah. uh, when you start practicing it for yourself and start like being open and observant and like having faith, like in believing, like you're gonna see it show up everywhere in your life. Like, yeah, as long as you have that openness within you. Um, I think a lot of times we block it off because of fear. Oh, yeah. From what we're told. Fear
0: just is like destroys everything. It's so much. Closes you off to so much.
1: Yeah. And there's always initially going to be any fear anytime you're expecting something new. Yeah. Absolutely. It's just a shock to the nervous system a bit.
0: Thank you so much for listening to part one of Kate's episode. We will be back with part two and much more for you after the holiday season. Once again, thank you so much for taking the time out to give us a listen. And we ask for continued support. And I hope that everyone has an absolute blissful and wonderful and restful holiday. Take care. See you next time. Thank you so much for listening today and allowing us to be a part of your day. If you would like more information on Leaving in Color or to be a guest on our show, you can find us on Instagram at leavingincolor.pod or email us at leavingincolorpod at gmail.com. If this episode resonated with you in any way or made you think of a loved one or a friend, please tell them about it. Your support generates more abundance collectively, so please subscribe to Leaving in Color wherever you listen to podcasts. Like all beautifully crafted pieces, this podcast was co-created by the most talented humans. Our music is by the melodic master, Tucker Winters. Our lovely cover art is by the multifaceted Jen of all trades, Jen Cagle-Gilmore. Leaving in Color is masterfully produced in conjunction with Particulate Media. K.O. Myers, Executive Producer. And I am Christina Elmer. See you next time.